Hey there, Hanukkiahs. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I am your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we keep it real. And we don't make sense to ourselves. (laughs) And nothing makes sense to us. So we're sitting here right before the winter solstice. I'm drinking a peppermint mocha. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. And we You're so basic. I'm so basic. I'm just embracing it. You know, next year is my devil year. And so I was trying to think about like celebrating my birthday, like a new ritual, like every year celebrating my birthday in the in the style of the card that I'm stepping into. Oh. Right? Isn't that a fun idea? That is fun. So next year my birthday will be a devil year. So I'm like, okay, well I need to like spend too much <laughs> oh. money. And like eat too much food and we like need to have sex at least twice during the day. And what else? What else would be devilish on my birthday? Maybe get a tattoo. Oh. It's a lot to cram into a day, but if anyone can do it, it's the devil. So we won't be traveling for your birthday. I don't think so. And probably not for the following birthday either because that'll be a tower birthday. So I don't know how you celebrate that. Well, then my birthday is going to be the world. So we're going to have to travel to seven different locations around the world. Okay. <laughs> Why seven? I don't know. It's just the thought that came to mind. Okay. I mean, we can try. I guess we should travel to 21 different parts of the world since it's the 21 number card. Yeah. And who's going to underwrite this trip? All right. So we won't go anywhere. We'll uh, go to Disneyland where we can go to, I don't know. Don't they have like different worlds there? Okay. Whatever you want, honey. It's your birthday. But first, it's my birthday. <laughs> well, I'm not going to take your thing. I think I like you celebrating the devil card and us having sex multiple times in a day. Sounds great to yeah. me. There you go. So, happy birthday to me. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk all about obsession. We should introduce ourselves. Oh, yes. Why don't you go first? I'm Angel Lopez. Hello. I am a writer a film producer, but I'm an astrologer and a spiritual teacher, healer, queeler, and a damn good time. And you? I'm Brandon Alter. I am a spiritual healer, queeler. I am an astrologer and a tarot reader, a teacher, a writer, and a performer. And today we're going to talk all about obsession (laughs) and the various ways you're all obsessed with me. Well, we all talk. We will talk a little bit about obsession because we'll be talking about <laughs> Pluto moving into Aquarius. Yes, that can have an obsessive quality. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to give y'all a little taste and a moose bouche, if you will, of the astrology of 2023. Yeah, we're just gonna chock full this episode with astrology. We did our workshop, the astrology of 2023, a couple of weeks ago, and we split it up into two workshops because there really is so much astrology, more than usual, honestly, Mm -hmm. that we decided we would just cover the first six months. And then there's a part two of that workshop happening in July. And so then we'll cover that. Yeah. And you can still uh, sign up for that workshop. We can send you the recording and you can join us live in July if you want. But we thought we would use this episode just to kind of cover some of the major transits because they are some like really big shifts. And, And even if you don't incorporate it into your life, 
all the time. Just having a sense of these like broad strokes of these energetic shifts could be really useful for you. All right, but first, why don't we give everyone what they want? Yeah, let's give the gays what they want. Let's check in. Let's check in. You first. No. Oh, God. Okay. All right. What's happening with me? Well, we threw a holiday party on the first night of Hanukkah, and I made my mom's Hanukkah cookie recipe for the very first time. And we had all the kids and a lot of the adults who are kids at heart decorate the Hanukkah cookies the way that my mom always used to set it up for us back home. My mom loved the holidays. She loved Hanukkah. I inherited like all of this very specific like Hanukkah china, like Hanukkah decorated coffee mugs and like 24 plates that say happy Hanukkah on it and like gold leaf. <laughs> and we just really wanted to to celebrate and call her spirit in for that. She also loved Christmas music. She loved anything that sparkled. And that was really sweet, but also really hard. The holidays are not easy when you're in grief and just trying to be gentle and tender with myself through all of that. Definitely feeling depleted at the end of the year. Feeling like I want to slow down and hibernate. I had a really interesting dream about a bear. Uh, I was like in this little cabin and somebody had warned me like, if you leave the doors open, like bears will come in. So don't do that. And if the bears do come in, then you just like want to get out of the apartment as quickly as you can. So that happened once. And then a bear came in a second time and I was on the couch and there was like no way for me to leave. And so I just like got really still and then the bear found me and I was really scared. But then the bear and I just like looked at each other in the eyes and like realized there was like a connection. And then we just ended up cuddling on the couch. So I feel like um, that's an invitation into like not being afraid. Like at first I was afraid of the bear, which maybe symbolizes like rest and hibernation. That was a very astute uh, insight one of our students made an astro club actually and then i embraced the hibernation so i feel like i need to embrace the hibernation i want that for you yeah i have a lot of books i want to like put my phone in a drawer i have a new phone i finally upgraded from the iphone 8 to the iphone 14 been a long time coming and i am so addicted to my phone right now i hate it i hate myself i hate the phone i hate the relationship we have hate's a strong word honey i hate it you shouldn't hate yourself. I hate myself with my phone. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. So I need to I need to get right. I hate yourself with your phone too. Which is another Pluto and Aquarius. <laughs> How dare you, you <laughs> monster. But that is a Pluto and Aquarius thing, like mm. transforming our relationship with technology. And I think we're all feeling like, okay, this like can't keep moving in the same direction. I'm sorry, what did you say something? I, I know you were deep in your phone. phone. Yeah, you were scrolling through <laughs> Etsy. <laughs> And what else? What else do I want to say about myself? Can I ask you a question? Oh, sure. What do you feel is the most profound thing you've learned about yourself this year? My capacity to stay present in the face of the difficult. Mm. Yeah. Like I faced a lot of like really challenging, really uncomfortable really unpleasant moments this year um, in a lot of different ways, like 
whether it was in the hospital with my mom or after her passing and dealing with all sorts of really challenging like financial or um, institutional things just like you know dealing with her estate and stuff and I and my ability to like stay present and not check out and just like face it that that there's like a strength in me to be an adult like a spiritual adult that I didn't know that I necessarily had but now I'm tired and I just want to be a little spiritual kid <laughs> I just like want to <laughs> grab a stuffed animal and hide under a blanket for and a just couple go weeks wee, wee, somewhere yeah eat a popsicle hmm. no it's too cold for popsicles which is so sad i haven't had my ice cream y'all i've had ice cream in weeks because it's been too cold for it <laughs> do you want me to ask you the same question <laughs> only if you're interested <laughs> in knowing the answer <laughs> well i'm not but maybe other people are no i'm just kidding i am interested wow what is what is the number one thing you learned about yourself this year you don't need ice cream honey you're cold enough as it is wow shade I'm sorry, what was the question? You know what the question was. You asked it. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. What's the most important thing you learned about yourself? The most surprising thing? I forget how you... Profound. Um, what was it? Hmm. What was the most profound thing I've learned about myself this year? How good you look with blonde hair. <laughs> I mean, that was profound. I'm just going to take a sip of my peppermint mocha while you think. I think the most profound thing... I really learned about myself this year is that I do truly deserve to be happy. I don't think I realized how deeply I didn't believe that. Whoa. And I think I haven't fully figured out how to embody that because it's such a new and deep shift. But I can recognize that I've had enough experiences this year that are pushing me toward like a deeper sense of happiness. And I don't even know if happiness is the right word. It's it's almost like aliveness, mm. you know, that like I deserve to be alive. And now I have to really learn how to embody that. But yeah, it's such a huge shift for me and again yeah I don't think I truly knew how deeply I didn't know that and so I think it's come from like engaging in the type of work that I've always wanted to be doing but I think on some level was keeping myself from doing like writing because I don't think deeply I felt like I deserved to be alive in that way and just like trying to be present to like every experience and honestly I think like engaging with our with you all, our gazers, and even specifically like the ones who we've gotten to like share these really beautiful weekends with through both of our retreats this year. Like I felt so alive during those experiences and so in presence of my purpose uh, that I recognized like how important my life can feel and be and feeling happy and excited about that. Whereas I think a lot of times in the past, I've like had those types of experiences and then I'm like 
trying to squash those feelings because they're scary. It's scary to feel that alive or scary to feel that happy. Yeah, you're bigger than the box. Right. And so you're like, uh-oh, don't do that. Got to shove myself back into the box. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that I'm like nearing a Jupiter return because it does feel like more than any other return, the Jupiter return is like a reset button on like your sense of aliveness, you know? And that sense of like optimism and hope around life. So I'm eager to start to act from that place before the Jupiter return hits (laughs) so that I can like already have planted that garden of presence and aliveness so that when the Jupiter return hits, it's like, oh, we're watering this as opposed to like still watering some of the other stuff and Jupiter being like, okay, I have to push you to realize where you could or should be headed. Yeah. Let that be the foundation. And then Jupiter's like, okay, what do we get to build on top of it? Right. Yeah. I don't think I realized that until now. I produced a movie this year, which was such a great experience. And um, you produce movies? I do. What? I had no idea. Is that what you're doing when you're always on those Zoom calls? <laughs> exactly. But there is like a key component um, in the film that kind of follows that theme. And so it was like interesting. I always find obviously that the work I'm involved in, there is some sort of mirror in it for me in some way. But this has been probably like the most profoundly like personal piece that I've worked on from that perspective because it like like that theme of discovering uh, your deserving uh, really runs deep through that movie and um, just watching it every day on set, like and having that reflected back it, even though it's not told through the same, through a similar narrative to my own life, um, I was still able to like receive that. And obviously like being queer, being Latin, like, you know, all these things. (laughs) You're Latin. (laughs) Get out of this house. Uh, Oh, wow. See what I deal with, everyone? (laughs) You married the oppressor. I know. I'm just living with Twitter over here. Oh, hush. Um, But, you know, you kind of just are, you know, deeply embedded with this sense of like, I have to fight to feel deserving, fight to feel uh, like I belong. And uh, I don't want to have that. I don't want to engage in that fight anymore. And neither should any of you. So I ask everyone out there who's listening to this, what is the most profound thing you've learned about yourself? And share it with us. Yeah. This year. Just like shoot us a little email. We could share them on the show next time. Yeah, if you're willing to. Yeah. And you can send in like a pseudonym. (laughs) Care Bear 23 learned. Babette Scheinberg. Babette Scheinberg. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know who that is, but I love her. Cut to, to Babette Scheinberg listening to this like, <gasps> what? <laughs> I feel seen. I feel seen. All right. So we're not going to do a little segment. Yeah. We're not going to do a segment this week because it's the end of the year. There's no reason for filler. Yeah. And you all just, you know, you've listened to enough of us this year. So let's just go right into the heart of our of our show today. This episode's deep, deep 
Dive. <laughs> I could have done that all day. <laughs> I had a friend text me. Angel was just like plugging one of his ears and pretending like he was Mariah Carey, which made me think about a text my friend Michelle sent me yesterday. And I'm just going to read it even though I don't have her permission. Oh, Got live TV on the plane. So for the last 30 minutes, I watched the CBS Mariah Carey Christmas special. Two things I learned. Number one, bitch can still sing. Number two, Hearing her talk, it's like she's a member of a cult, not the leader, a member of a cult that worships her, but you still feel like you need to save her from herself. Oh my God. Number three, she put on a show. But I think that's true. I think Mariah Carey is a member of the Lamely and she doesn't know how to get out. Can we watch that later? Yeah, I would love to. I love that idea. That's so funny. An Aries legend. An Aries legend. The guess, Queen of Christmas. I guess the Queen, the unofficial Queen of Christmas. Who's she the won official? That who's the member? Who's what? Remember, she filed a claim to like be called the Queen of Christmas, and all these uh, different musical artists like sent in like letters saying that like she was not allowed to lay claim to that. Who else is the Queen of Christmas? I mean. Why no Darlene Love sent one in who Who? <laughs> she's is she friends with Babette <laughs> Scheinbaum? She I Scheinberg? think I believe she sang like she sang a very famous rendition of, you know, Christmas Baby Please Come Home. Oh yeah. That is phenomenal. Not as good as the Cher Rosie O'Donnell version. No, but I believe Darlene Love actually used to appear on David Letterman every year for Christmas and would sing that song. Got it. Um, like it's a classic. So I'm sure she lays claim to it. But also Mariah wanted to have it so that she could like sell merchandise that said Queen of Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I heard she like wanted to like sell like Queen of Christmas coconut water and like, you know, things that were just so unrelated to Christmas, but just would have probably her like cute little animated face. All right. Maybe it's maybe it's all for the best. She lost that lawsuit. God, are all Aries just like members of their own cult that worships them, but not the leader? <laughs> yes. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. It's me. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. So should we talk about astrology I now? just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. So the astrology... Make my ta- wish come true. So Baby, all I want for Christmas is a Jew. But I don't want a love for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. And I... Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that peppermint mocha's really kicked in. Girl, it is flowing through my veins. Is this going to make the episode? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to cut that shit for sure. We might cut the whole Mariah Carey thing, honestly. And if you heard this, you're welcome.
I know. Maybe there's like a world where we have a Patreon and we just like release the like uncut <laughs> episodes for people, just like for the three people that just like would get into hearing all of this shit. <laughs> or like the shade we throw before we like start actually recording. Oh, we can't release that. Well, I mean, for a price. <laughs> now I'm feeling like we should keep all this in. Oh my gosh. So. The astrology of 2023. Mm-hmm. It's a seven year. Mm-hmm. The chariot. Mm-hmm. Movement. Mm. Victory. Mm. Mm. Feeling at home within oneself. Yeah. So in case you're unfamiliar with this practice, we do the numerology for the year. 2023 adds up to a seven, which takes us to the chariot card in the tarot. Last year was a six year, the lovers, all about choice and curiosity. And the thing about the chariot is that it's the last card in the first line of the tarot. So there's an integration there. Every card that's come before the chariot, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, the emperor, the hierophant, they're all reflected in the chariot. So whereas 2022 was a lot about making choices, I think 2023 is about integrating those choices and about acknowledging the choices have been made and not hemming and hawing anymore, but saying, no, this is the choice I made. This is what's important to me and moving forwards from there. We talked a lot last year about how the Six of Swords, which was a card that showed up a lot for us in 2022, which is about a new way of thinking of things. It's a mental expansion. It's the figures in the boat if you can kind of visualize it, there's the person who's rowing the boat, the the boatman, the boatmaster, the bosun. No, not the maybe the bosun. <laughs> sure, I don't know. And then you've got the the hooded figure, and then the little naked baby sitting next to the hooded figure, and they're in transit. They're not where they were. They're not on the old shore in the old country. They're not where they're going yet. They're in transit. They're in limbo, moving towards a new horizon. I think the chariot and the seven year, we've we've arrived on that new shore. And now we're taking ourselves out of that boat and we're starting to explore this new landscape. And it's too late to go back. We made the choice. We made the choice to come to the new land. And so we're here. And now we have to figure out what the fuck we're going to do here. We're all that naked baby. Honey, it's true. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Naked baby listening. On that new land, on that shore that you've arrived upon. Yeah, are you just going to stay on the shore and just like bathe in the water? So you're going to go explore like the jungle? Or are you going to like find a mountain and decide to climb it? Are you going to build a house? Are you going to collect fruit? Could a baby build a house? Sure. Wow, that's a strong baby. Yeah. So there's a lot of astrology that supports this sort of new beginnings-ish energy. And I feel like it's a value to talk about the thing that just occurred, uh, well, yesterday in recording this, uh-huh. which is Jupiter's shift into Aries. And it was a return, I guess we should say to Aries, because it did spend uh, the whole summer and like September. Yeah, it was like almost September, five spring, months. summer um, in Aries. Yeah. Aries. But... Uh, it's now returned, and yes. it's gonna just fly through Aries yeah. between now and between the beginning of the year in May. Yeah, exactly. May sixteenth, it's gonna be just 
moving through Aries. So anyone who has Aries placements is really going to feel that like big boon of growth, optimism, uh, you know, prosperity in some way. Yeah. Opportunities and exposure for sure. There's two flavors of Jupiter this year. It's Jupiter and Aries, which is fast. It's explosive. It can almost sometimes feel like, uh, growing pains in the sense like, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I grew like a foot in a summer and I would get these like terrible leg cramps. You grew like, a my... whole new foot? No, no, I grew a foot taller. Oh. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so it's like, oh, wow, like I'm I'm growing so fast that I have to kind of scramble to accommodate all of this growth. And then Jupiter and Taurus is a much more sustainable growth. It slows things down. It really grounds the expansion. Right. Yeah. And Aries is a big new beginnings energy. And a big baby. And a big baby. So it is uh, leaning into those fresh opportunities that allow you to birth new beginnings, to you know forge new paths, so that in that second half of the year, you can really till that soil. Yeah. I think of Aries as being like, hello, I'm here, right? It's the first sign of the zodiac. You've just like shown up on planet Earth. You've just mm-hmm. incarnated. You're like, hello, I'm here. And Jupiter and Aries is big, hello, I'm here energy. Like wherever you are in your life, whether you're an Aries or a Libra or a Cancer, wherever you're showing up with Jupiter and Aries, there is a sense of like a bigness in your hello, I'm here. This is me. This is me. I want to make a Jupiter and Aries playlist. Oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a fun meditation. A lot of belting. A lot of belting. Yeah. A lot of I'm here energy. Yeah. Um, which makes sense as an Aries because I love I love so many songs that are all about like I'm here <laughs> with Beyonce's uh, I was here song and her greatest album for for any from the Bayhive out there. Anyhow, so Jupiter will then move into Taurus. Yes, exactly on May 16th, like I mentioned earlier, and it will move direct through there for a couple months, but then it will retrograde as well. Yes. Uh, but it's not coming back to Aries. So it's going to spend a long time in Taurus, whether it's moving direct or retrograde. And that is, like I said, it's sustainable growth. You know, Jupiter in Taurus is a slow momentum. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, but still growing. And I think it'll be really interesting because when Jupiter moves into Taurus, there is a period of time, I believe in May, when there's like five planets in Taurus all at once. Yeah, it's basically that whole period of time. It's like the 16th through the 19th of May. It's like sun, moon. You get, yeah, you get um, sun, moon, Jupiter, north node, Mercury. Uh, so yeah, you get a ton. And Uranus. And Uranus, yeah. So you get all of this like amplified Taurus energy, which can be really beautiful it's venus ruled um so it has a lot of that but it also amplifies the stubbornness around viewpoints as well so it could be a really interesting time of conflict but um hopefully in a way that provides a path for the optimal truth to win out 
And I think what's unusual about 2023 that should be mentioned is that you have three of the outer planets changing signs, which rarely happens in one year, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. You know, Jupiter does change signs about every year, so that's not unusual, but Saturn changes signs every like two and a half years, and Pluto doesn't change signs for at the very least 12 years and at the most 30 years, right? So when uh, when Pluto is in Taurus, it's there for 30 fucking years, right? When it's in Scorpio, it's only there for 12 years, but that's because it has this weird kind of elliptical orbit, you know, like an egg. So it doesn't have the same amount of time in every sign. Mm -hmm. But that's all to say, having Pluto change signs the same year that Saturn changes signs and Jupiter changes signs, that seems like a big year of change. And it's a whole influx of new energy wanting to be expressed through the collective. Well, and it's not even just this year. It's all happening within like two months of each other. You know, you have Saturn entering Pisces on March 7th. Pluto entering Aquarius on March 23rd and then Jupiter entering Taurus on May 16th. Yeah. And I think it's worth just tossing in the Mars shift into Cancer on March 26th just because, you know, on a bit of a smaller scale, we've had Mars and Gemini. We'll have had Mars and Gemini for a total of six months at that point. So we'll get like a new infusion of Mars energy as well. So it is a real big like shift energy just in the first half of this year it's very powerful and we know that with these big planetary shifts can come some challenges can come some some turmoil on larger scales um, you know global yeah shifts issues so we're definitely going to have an eye toward like how is this how are these larger shifts affecting the global landscape you know, with Jupiter into Taurus, with the Earth, and I think with all this Aquarius energy, too, with Pluto of just like the collective and how we relate to each other in a new way. Yeah. So it's a it's a fuck ton of transformation energy. Yeah, that's the technical term for it, everybody. It's yes. A fuck ton. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Pluto in Aquarius. So Pluto is the planet of deep soul transformation. Pluto also connects us to power. And Aquarius, as we know, is all about technology. It's the way in which we're all connected in ways that we can understand, right? We can understand that we're connected through the air that we breathe. We can understand that we're connected through living on the same planet. And we can understand that we're connected through technology. You know, we all meet together, even like we're doing right now through the technology of a podcast. And Pluto comes in to reform, to change on that deep soul level, our relationship with technology and with our relationship to each other as members of a species called human being. Yeah, it feels like it's a like forging new society energy. Yeah. And it's a bit of a reckoning. I mean, Pluto is not a gentle planet. Pluto has a a hard touch. And Pluto is connected to Hades, the god of the underworld. So Pluto transforms through death. Certain things have to die so that new things can be reborn. And I think we're already seeing that happen in terms of like what's happening with Twitter. Or I'm really interested in what's happening with like all of the artificial intelligence stuff that's happening. And how we're going to take responsibility for all of these new inventions. I saw on Twitter someone made a a AI drag race simulator. 
<laughs> Stop it. And I literally, someone, someone went in and basically what you can do is you can like enter in all the people you want as competitors for it. And there's like a couple other settings, but you can then like just kind of hit start. And then it basically generates a whole, this AI generates a whole season of drag race starring all of the people you put in. And somebody did it with the, uh, last 20 winners of best supporting actress from the oscars <laughs> but the ai would like tell you who what challenge they were going into like there'd be a ball challenge and Anne hathaway would win the maxi challenge <laughs> and you know it would show you who the like bottom two were and what song they were lip syncing to and who had to sashay away it was hysterical i like spent half an hour reading through the whole thread well, I'm really tripping out these days on <laughs> the connection between technology and imagination and the connection between technology and spirituality. And we're actually seeing that expressed astrologically because Saturn is about to leave Aquarius and move into Pisces, which is the sign of spirituality and imagination and creativity. And it's like Saturn has kind of paved the way for Pluto to enter into Aquarius and Saturn's wake. And maybe we're going to start to see this interplay because I have to tell you, I did that stupid Lenza thing that gives you all of your avatars before I knew that they were predatory and using other artists' work and not giving them money. So I'm, I'm upset that I ended up giving Lenza $2.99. But I looked at all these avatars of myself in all of these different realms, and it expanded my imagination of the possibilities of my life. Of your life or just... Your gorgeous face. No, like I'm it. <laughs> no, it like it really, in some ways, helped me like lean into multi-dimensional aspects of myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. There's something about technology that can help us connect to the spiritual, and I'm interested in exploring that. And like even something like the algorithm, and I know algorithms are technical. But I also wonder, you know, like spirit is is in everything and spirit can use anything. And and where are we going to see that interplay between spirituality and technology? Because I don't think technology is without a spirit. Of course. Yeah. Well, and it's even just interesting to think about how as people who do the work that we do, um, I mean, the last, what, two years almost three years now all of my spiritual work with other people i mean 98 percent of it 95 percent of it has been done online you know or virtually yeah so it's like so interesting whereas i was just saying to a client yesterday how like i was like i never used to like doing this like i would I would like push against people who'd be like, Oh, can we just do a phone call or whatever? I'd be like, no, we need to be in person. Like our energy needs to be, you know, right and right in, in the same room together. And I've had to like learn to give over to like how to commune and recognize like, Oh, right. Like spirit doesn't need to be in the same room you know, <laughs> in order to commune. Like it's larger and greater than that. It's been such a like interesting, like breakthrough for me. Yeah. Well, because spirit's always in the same room. Right. There, There is no separation as far as spirit is concerned. Yeah, I've just had to learn like new rituals and techniques for myself to engage with like spiritually with the people I'm working with, um, which has been really 
cool and kind of already it hasn't isn't it hasn't shifted too far from what I was already doing um before so I'm like okay I was already just kind of like calling in the spirit of this reading anyway before the person came into the room uh so now I'm just doing that and then clicking a couple buttons and we're together so like spiritual work can be done through technology yeah it doesn't like yeah it's not separate but i am interested in the other aspect of pisces which is imagination Mm -hmm. and i do wonder how well imagination and technology have commingled or have some allowed technology to destroy imagination yeah so i think to frame it astrologically saturn will be moving into pisces and saturn is all about taking responsibility saturn is the heavy lifting saturn teaches us about work saturn is also connected classically to restriction and fear an obstacle and so the sign that saturn is in can sometimes feel like a tight spot and we just had saturn in aquarius for the last two and a half years and we experienced things like social distancing (laughs) right like we felt saturn in aquarius very literally and so moving into pisces we might feel a restriction of imagination of creativity of spirituality but also the invitation is how are you taking responsibility how are you going to lift those heavy weights of those um, themes And so in some ways, technology, social media, maybe it has dulled our imagination a little bit because we're seeing the same thing, right? Like you have 16 seasons of Drag Race and it's kind of all the same. Right. (laughs) And the algorithm keeps showing you more of what you're already looking at. So it's just like, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it's like a lot of crystals. It's like a lot of jewelry. It's like a fair amount of like shirtless dudes, right? So it's like you just your imagination gets a little dulled because you're not getting new influences coming in but that's up to you to turn away from the technology to close your eyes to generate your own imagination and to stir it to figure out what sparks it yeah you have to be responsible for where your attention lies right yeah it can also feel like everything's already been created which is not true that's just a story Mm mm-hmm But it can feel like, well, what is the new thing? You know, we're living at this time where it feels like we're like at the end of modernity, you know? Right. I almost feel like we could and should do like a whole conversation around Saturn and Pisces and really a whole conversation around each of these shifts as they come. Okay, well, let's do it. I don't have anywhere to be. (laughs) Uh, I do want to just talk about the Mars shift into cancer yeah which occurs on march 26th well let's start that conversation by just reminding everybody that on january 12th mars stations direct yeah so mars is still retrograde which is been challenging for anyone trying to get something off the ground it definitely stalls momentum but come january 12th mars will stop will park and turn itself all the way around and then start to move through Gemini for the last time. Yeah. So at eight degrees of Gemini. Yeah. Just so you know. And again, that kind of feels like if you haven't made the choice yet, you have until January 12th to make the choice. Right. And then if you haven't, the choice is going to choose you and you're just going to move forwards. And the choice might be to choose both things that you're going between. For as long as you can. For as long as you can. Yeah. 
But yeah, so Mars will uh, shift direct, like you said, and then it will change signs uh, after six months of being in Gemini. Yeah, it'll move in Cancer. What do you think have been like the the greater lessons of like this length of time Mars has spent in Gemini specifically? Well, to me, Gemini is all about why. Like Gemini really wants to understand deeply the motivations behind the choices that we make. And so for me personally, I've been looking at all the things that I want to do, which I haven't done a lot on (laughs) because of the retrograde. But the retrograde has allowed me to really ask myself like, well, why do I want to do this? Like what what itch am I trying to scratch through doing this? And does it actually still matter? And for some things, I've really been able to get to a clear why, and that why makes me want to recommit to certain things. And other things, that why is pretty pithy or just something I've inherited from society or culture or family, or it's just like a ghost of something I used to, uh, something that used to motivate me that no longer does. And I'm like, okay, well, I can let that go. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it's for me, it's been it's similar. It's just like the relationship between thought and action. Yeah. You know, idea and action and, yeah, what thoughts are motivating our actions. So, yeah, but I have had recessing. like way too many thoughts and not enough action. And I right. think that's because <laughs> Gemini as an air sign, and it is so mutable, can just like kind of be like, well, I could do this or I could do that or like, let's talk about it more, you know? I yeah, think, she can be a little bit of all talk. Yeah. Whereas Mars in Cancer is like, and because Cancer is a cardinal sign, Cancer takes action. Yeah. Um, usually in like a soft bathrobe and from the comfort of their own home, but they're <laughs> still taking action. And so I'm looking forward to Mars moving into Cancer because I think it will help all of us start to manifest all of the talk into some concrete steps forwards. Yeah. The word that's coming to mind for me with Cancer is root. Root. And I feel like it helps us take some like, rooted action yeah well it'll be nice to have jupiter in taurus and mars in cancer simultaneously right and looking at again those tarot cards for the last year and and 2023 right like the lovers is connected to gemini and there was a lot happening in gemini in 2022 and then the chariot is connected to cancer and so i think the tarot is trying to whisper to us that for whatever reason, when Mars is in Cancer, important things are going to happen for us. And Mars and Jupiter are really only together in those signs for like five days. But interestingly, it's those five days we mentioned earlier when all of that Taurus energy is happening, that Taurus stellium. It's like May 16th. So it's like right after Jupiter enters Taurus. Um, that it will be in the last degrees of, that Mars will be in the last degrees of Cancer. Mm. so it's kind of an interesting time for that combo to occur yeah so they're not in the same sign but those you know cancer and taurus they sextile each other they help each other out they can like get each other on the phone and inspire and encourage each other so yeah which will be helpful because then mars will move into leo which creates a square to that taurus energy and they're going to both be at like the beginning degrees so you'll move right into like some mars jupiter square energy but it'll be quick Because Mars will be just, you know, shifting along at that point. All right. What else should we talk about in terms of the astrology of 2023? Just broad strokes. I guess it's maybe important to tee up eclipse season. 
Yeah, I think that's an important thing to talk about. I think the way into that is to mention that the nodes of fate are shifting in 2023. Right. Out of Taurus, Scorpio, and into Aries, Libra. And interesting just to amplify what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation about that new beginnings energy, that mm-hmm. we will have two Aries new moons. new moons this year. Yeah, in a row. Yeah. You know, we, we do get two new moons in a sign uh, at times, but to have it in Aries, particularly around like when Jupiter is also in Aries, it just feels like a big push shift because that first aries new moon is just an aries new moon but that second aries new moon is an eclipse exactly and so the eclipse axis for 2023 is taurus scorpio aries libra yeah so that first eclipse is in aries but that second eclipse is taurus scorpio and it's on 420 baby so smoke them if you got them (laughs) i no longer have them but smoke them for me at 29 degrees Aries. Yeah. Like, what a potent totally moment. And I do want to address something that came in through our DMs, which is somebody asking about war. Oh, right. Because Aries is a sign of war, and Jupiter and Aries can sometimes magnify those sorts of aggressions. And I believe because Jupiter was already in Aries, we know what those war stories are. I'm not anticipating, like, new wars breaking out. There might be an escalation of some of that stuff, but I don't think it's something to like be afraid of. Obviously, like for those of you that live in, you know, these war-torn parts of the world, there's a lot to be afraid of. Right. Um, but for those of us that are kind of observers of it, I don't think we're looking at like a World War Three situation. I don't think like we're being, you know, all brought into it. But I do think that aggressions are going to be high and that people are going to want to fight for what they care about. Once Jupiter moves into Taurus, I think it's going to be a different sort of fighting. We're going to be fighting for resources. Yeah. And there's going to be a disruption of resources in ways that we've like just begin that we've just begun to see. Like the supply chain, that's not new, you know? That's Uranus and Taurus. We've already been seeing that sort of disruption, but I think it's going to continue and I think it's going to be like food. I think we're going to have like food disruption, which will be interesting to see. Well, which is then it stems from climate and I think that that's really going to be but not just climate. Because it also stems from war because oh, yes, because yes, yes. Ukraine and Russia are like the largest supplier of like wheat and grain. So right. all of a sudden we're going to realize like, oh, a whole year's worth of like crop is not available because everybody was just fighting. Yeah. Plus the climate stuff. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that we start to realize that like, oh, well, I'm hopeful. I guess I should say that the people who are the evil powers that be will realize that, like, the fight for survival isn't, like, against each other. You know, the fight for survival is, like, against what we've created in our depletion of resources and, you know, through all of the damage we've done through all of this tomfoolery that we've engaged in. Yeah. And that that shift will maybe be like, all right, we just need to focus on our own and get our own communities in check and in order. But who knows? Egos are so big and insane. Well, there's three big dates that I feel like tell this story astrologically. So on May 17th, the day after Jupiter enters Taurus, it makes a square to Pluto. And we know that squares are crises that require us to take action. 
and it's in Taurus Aquarius, the collective and the earth and resources. So I feel like, and that is one of those like everything in Taurus sort of days. And so that feels like a crisis. That feels like there isn't enough and we have to take some sort of action. But I feel like it goes well because on June 1st, you know, just like essentially two, two and a half weeks later, Jupiter is conjunct the North Node in Taurus. And that feels like, okay, we can see a way forwards. We can see how there can be enough for everybody. And then just like, you know, two and a half weeks after that is this Gemini new moon answering to Mercury in Gemini, which feels like the immediate community. Like if we can all take care of each other in our neighborhoods, like if you can know who your neighbors are, if you can know like your communities and make sure everybody has enough to eat and has warm blankets and like has water and and we can in some ways like return because Taurus is a sign that takes us back to the old days in a way, like when we knew where our food came from and we knew how to connect with it, like it was food and and physical resources as spiritual practice. Like there's something very meditative and spiritual. Like if you have a garden, you understand what that's like, the, the magic of pulling a carrot out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's like more community gardens and community food banks and everyone being more involved. And that also is Pluto in Aquarius, which is like changing how we think about our collective shared humanity. Right. Like it's one thing to be like, yeah, we're all connected through fucking Instagram. But it's another thing to like actually show up in person because that's really what Aquarius wants to do. It wants to sit in a circle yeah, in the same place and be like, let's share, let's connect, let's dream together. Mm, I like that. Well, hopefully we can create more opportunities in the spiritual gaze uh, world to commune together. In person. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. It's funny. I was thinking about us doing a fall retreat and, or not a fall retreat, a spring retreat. And I feel like somebody had thrown out like a potential date to us in our Astrology of 2023 workshop. I want to go back and look at it um but in my mind I'm, i kept going back to may 18th and oh I'm like, wow oh, may 18th but now i'm like looking that like that week of may 15th in general is all of this feels so intense like Taurus energy not. i'm like maybe that would be a challenging one yeah, to it could do be a, challenging. a retreat around maybe the week before yeah <laughs> but also maybe like it's just like a one day retreat you know like right yeah just to like come together because there is a it's a powerful energy so um who knows but anyhow i just thought that that was kind of interesting uh but i don't know we'll see we shall see we definitely want to do some sort of spring retreat um and it's looking like it would be somewhere on the west coast we did in joshua tree before so maybe we'd do it there again um but i guess we'll just have to look and see like timing wise what looks best and then Weather-wise, what looks best, because I sure as hell ain't going to Joshua Tree in the summer. It gets hot, but it's not the worst. I mean, it's the high desert. You get the breeze. Yes. But yeah, you can't really do it after like the beginning of June. Yeah, then it gets rough. It does get a little rough. So I don't know. We might have to do it May (laughs) that weekend, and then we all just like come together and buckle up, buckle down. We know we're going to have a fucking party. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I like it. The future's unwritten. (laughs) Okay, Natasha. And also, 
I'm not really making any plans until after January 12th. True that. Oh, well, actually, maybe more like January 18th because we got all the Mercury retrogrades, right? So Mercury's retrograde from the 29th of December through January 18th. And all of our Mercury retrogrades in 2023 are in Earth signs, which is not the most challenging element for Mercury retrograde to be in. Like air signs are the hardest. But um, it definitely means that like plans are going to change. Uh, like you have all the right pieces, but the order is maybe not the way it's going to go. Uh, of course, you know, all Mercury retrogrades are going to create issues with like transportation. I think that's also part of like supply chain stuff, like things are going to get lost or, you know, all of a sudden, like what you thought was going to be delivered in March is getting delivered in like June and you just like had to deal with it. Well, it feels like we've sufficiently prepared you for the first half of the year. Yeah. And again, these are broad strokes and I would really encourage y'all if you're feeling like you want a little bit more specificity that part one workshop was kind of fire if I do say so myself and we're more than happy to send it to you um, and then we'd love to see you live and in person in July for our second part of the astrology of 2023 workshop so consider consider coming on board for that all right in the meantime we want to leave you with our tarot card for the episode all right everybody so here's our final tarot card of 2022 to close us out together so just connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. If you have a particular question or there's some specific guidance you need, you can send that out. Just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. And I'm going to ask Angel to pull it because he's our Cancer Moon and we're moving into some big Cancer energy in 2023. So it just feels right. The Four of Wands. What a beautiful card to end the year on. The Four of Wands is a spiritual foundation. The Four of Wands is about success. Not so much about achieving success. Although if your question was like, is this going to go well? The Four of Wands says resoundingly, yes. But it's about receiving your own progress. Understanding that you are already a success. And looking back. Because so often we achieve things and then we just move on to the next thing. We don't even absorb it. And the four of wands says like, hold on, just like take a moment and ground and notice the things that you've done, the obstacles that you've surmounted. You have made it through a challenging year, Hannies. You're living in a triple-demic, as they're calling it, and you're alive and you're well. And maybe you don't feel like you're thriving, but if you were to look at the nuts and bolts of your life, you might realize like, oh, I'm actually doing a lot better than my little monkey mind is giving myself credit for. And the structure that the Four of Wands creates is a pretty open structure. It's just four wands, and it's what we would call a chuppah. And a chuppah in Hebrew is it's the structure that you would get married under. It, it doesn't have walls because it lets in spirit, lets in the goddess. But it is a structure. And in some ways, it reminds us that home or a, a place in which we can build safety is something that has to be able to move. And that's cancer energy too, right? Like, you know, low vibe cancer is I can't leave my house. This is the only place I feel at home. But real cancer energy is like, okay, I feel at home in myself. And because I'm always in myself, I can go anywhere and feel comfortable. So it's a really beautiful energy to end the year on. And I would really just encourage you to like sit down and take a few moments and receive your progress. Notice the evolution, the up leveling. It's already happened or it's in process. And the only way for you to integrate it is to be able to name it and go like, oh yeah, I'm growing. I'm expanding. Fucking good on me. So good on you, girl.
We're proud of you. You deserve to be alive. Act as if. Thank you, everybody, for such a beautiful year of connection and community, a beautiful year of spiritual gazing. We're so excited to just continue growing this community, but we're so grateful for all the connections and the healings and the wisdom that comes through because all of us are able to gather outside of space and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we truly appreciate each and every one of you just for listening. Um, even if you don't engage with us through any of our workshops or things, like just the fact that you show up to this podcast means so much to us. So thank you. Even if we don't know your name, Babette Scheinberg. <laughs> we do now. Hey, Babette. We love you. Uh, all right. Until next time. This has been your transit through the spiritual game.